0: To another Hopefield message from Life. For more information about our church, visit
1: lifeau.org. So cool. My wife Lynn says hi. We um, we only just returned from Europe. We were married on June 26, 1982. So 35 years. We went away to celebrate 35 years of her tolerance, and uh, and it was wonderful. We got home Saturday night. I preached Sunday, and by Wednesday night, I was on a plane. Or Monday, Thursday morning, I was on a plane. Straight to Alice Springs and straight to here. So we've hit the ground running. Uh, Lynn refused to come. Our second grandchild, Ezra, was born. Uh, while we were on a ship somewhere in the Mediterranean, he came three weeks early, uh, which uh, is unusual for an Alcorn male. Uh, we <laughs> so uh, it was very, very cool. So... Uh, it's just neat to be here, and I bring you greetings from a church which is very much, very much knit heart-to-heart uh, heart with you. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've been in and out of life for many years, as Paul has been in and out of Hope Centre, and, uh, and so it's cool. And uh, I just want you to know how much uh, I love these two, and, uh, and I'm genuinely here for them and hence for you. And uh, so when we tried to make it so that I could come last year, but we were able to make it that this year, and it's been a high priority in my diary for a long, long time. so And I am absolutely thrilled. I can't get a smile off my face just looking at what God is doing here. You are part of something very significant. And how many know this is just a seed of what God is wanting to do? So stick in, hang in for the journey, and watch what God does. We serve a good God. Amen? You know, a few years ago, we are talking about the fact that we've been married a long time, and uh, the miracle that God has just worked in Lynn's heart to stay with me. Uh... Because I'm, I'm an unusual person to live with. Like, I, I can be random. And uh, for example, I came home one day, burst in the door, I said, Lynn, guess what? I bought you a car. She said, What sort? Lynn, a red mini. She said, What? I said, A red mini. Like, it looks, it's, it's amazing, it's really cool. It's amazing. So where'd you find this? On the side of the highway. It was only 600 (laughs) bucks. And it's it's really good. It's just got one problem. It doesn't have reverse gear. (laughs) But apparently it's easy to fix. Well, I discovered that you need a few things to repair a vehicle. I decided it was actually gonna be a great project of mine. I was gonna do this thing up and it was gonna be amazing and, I, and we'd keep it for a few years and I'd sell it for thousands. Well, I discovered after we pulled this thing apart that you need a few things to line up. You need money, energy, time, and enthusiasm. And at no time, over a course of about two and a half years did I have all four things working at once. So we finally threw all these bolts together, and I got this car on the road, registered, and, uh, well, the the short story is that within about two months, it was back on the highway for sale, 600 (laughs) bucks. But I did notice something, that whenever I was in that thing, for those short few weeks that I actually had it on the road, it was amazing that I discovered everybody was driving red minis they were everywhere people red minis because i was in it and when i was in it i saw it everywhere well guess what right now every time i open the scripture i because i'm in something i see it everywhere I, I see these words all over the pages of the bible one another say one another I just see these two words all through Scripture. One another, love one another, care for one another, bear the burdens of one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, one another, one another. And I became aware that the Holy Spirit was really speaking to me about how I live, how I lead, and how we should be followers of Jesus. So if you have your Bible open, I'm going to bounce out of two Scriptures today. Psalm 133 And John seventeen. If you don't have a Bible, it's okay. This church does Bible karaoke, it's cool. Watch it on the screen. All right, here we go. Psalm one thirty three. How good. Say good Good. and pleasant it is when God's people live together in what? In In unity. That's what I want to talk to you about today. In unity. Let's drop down, fast track, verse 3. It says, it's, it's like the Jew of Hermon was falling on Mount Zion. For there, that's the big word. For there, the Lord bestows his blessing even, there's a good word, life forevermore. There. There is a place where God blesses. There is a place, it feels like just the dew the of heaven is coming down on God's people. There is a place of extravagant blessing. And you know where there is? There is where we make a choice to be in unity. You show me a group of people where hearts are knit, where we're facing the same direction. Where we're not majoring on the minors, but getting on with what God has called us to be. And you begin to see that that is a place where God just continues to pour out blessing upon blessing. And I kind of feel I'm in a community of people that are hungry for the favor and blessing of God. So let's speak to that for a few minutes. Unity. Blessing. I, I want to see more miracles. i got people in my family that desperately need a miracle. I was getting texts last night from people in my inner world of friends whose whose friends and family desperately need breakthroughs and miracles. There are things in our heart that we haven't even yet begun to embark on as a church for our nation. I desperately, desperately want to see a spiritual awakening. The church is not as bad as the media paints us out to be. There are things that are happening. There's legislation that they're trying to bring through our parliaments, friends. We need to see Australia have a spiritual awakening. We need to see the church bigger, stronger, more dynamic than ever before. And let me tell you something. We can get great buildings, we can get new sound systems, we can have great programs. But yet let me tell you, without the life and power of God, we're nothing more than some other club. We need the power of God. We need the favor of God. And, and let me tell you something. We have a God who can do anything, correct? But you know where he does his best works? Where we create environments for him to move in power. Where is There. There is where we make choices to be united. So in John chapter 17, Jesus prayed into this. A lot of people talk about the Lord's Prayer. And we refer quickly to Matthew when he taught from the Sermon on the Mount. That actually isn't the Lord's Prayer, it's the disciples' prayer. He said, when you pray, pray like this. But in John 17, it is actually the longest recorded prayer of Jesus in the whole Bible. This is actually, in my opinion, the Lord's Prayer. And this is how Jesus prayed. We'll just grab an excerpt from his longest prayer in the Bible. Verse 20 of John 17. My prayer is not for them alone. He was actually right there and then praying for the 12 disciples that were following him. I pray also for those who will believe in me. Any believers in the room? Okay, he's praying for you. Those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them might be one. Father, just as you and me and I mean, in you, may they also be in us. So that, does anybody here want to see this happen? So that the world may believe that you sent me. Yeah. So that Melbourne might believe. Yeah, right. So that this nation might believe. He says, I've given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one. As we are one. That word is right throughout this prayer. One. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know. Do you you just stop sometimes and underline scripture? I've been doing this for nearly 40 years. Through all the years, whether it was youth alive, I've left youth alive. I'm in barely alive now. And and all the times of leading people, preaching people. This is my heart. That the world would know that you sent me. And love them even as you have loved me. Could it be that that is the one prayer in Scripture that is the one prayer that we could answer for him rather than him answer for us. Every time we pray, we go, "Our oh God, oh, we ask for this and we, we, we commit for that and we believe for this. All of those things we ask God to answer but this is a prayer that he is praying that you and I can have a part to play in the answer becoming a reality. It's an, it's an audacious prayer. It's a radical prayer that you and I would be in such unity that our relationships with one another would be as life-giving and as pure as the relationship with God the Father had with the Son. He prays that you and I would have relationships like that. And he said, when those relationships are that strong, the world will know. There's so many things the world needs to know. The world needs to know that Queensland has an amazing state of origin And I'm here for many reasons. One of them is to thank Melbourne for its contribution to that great victory. (laughs) Against all odds, there is a miracle working God in heaven. But the world needs to know. The world needs to know. One of the great problems with planet Earth is hopelessness. They need to know there's hope in Jesus. So, Father, I pray that they would be one just as you and I are one. Do you remember the prayer of or sorry the the decision really in heaven in Genesis 1 I actually believe by the way that creation story is not just some fable for us to kind of get our head around what might have happened I believe it happened I actually don't believe the bible contains the word of god I believe it is the word of god And so I believe the creation story and in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, I'm going to put that verse on the screen. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, we don't need to read the whole verse, but I want to particularly draw your attention to the first line or two. Then God said, let us, say us. us. Let us make mankind in our image. You and I were created by family for family. You and I were created by community and in community community, in fact, so important was it that God created you and I to to not only need to love him but need to love others. He, he actually when he, he looked across the planet, he actually saw everything that he 'd created. He saw the whole universe, the stars, the solar systems. Everything he saw was good. He saw this tiny blue planet. He saw the oceans. He saw the mountains, the valleys. He saw the birds. He saw the animals, the fish. Everything he saw, he said, that's good. Until he saw something that wasn't good. And it wasn't sin. The thing that God saw on the earth that wasn't good before sin had even entered humanity was a man on his own. He saw Adam, somebody doing life on his own. And he said, that's not good. Do you know, you and I were never meant to do life alone. We were created by community. For community, we were meant to be in unity. Well, Jesus, what, what's what's the the key to this faith and fellowship of you? Easy, love God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You need to have have relationships vertically and horizontally. It's not good for you to be doing life alone. And if I have a burden and a passion for our community, for our nation and this generation. It's to somehow respond to what I believe is the world's greatest social ill in the Western world, loneliness. I meet people there are even in this room. There are people listening to this podcast that have got hundreds of Facebook friends and no one to talk to. We live in the myth that, ah, oh, yeah, I got all these friends, but you're really doing life alone. It's not good. We were meant to be in relationship. We were meant to be in life-giving, meaningful journeys together during these few decades we have on planet Earth. So our commitment to unity. If you and I would commit to this, we are part of some great Christian communities. But can I tell you, if we committed to this, we could go to the next level. It's as simple as this. So let me give you just a couple of thoughts that actually enhance unity in our lives, in our relationships, in our churches, families, etc. Here's here's where it's firstly evident, in our tongue. What I say, what I say, in 1 John 1 verse 7, if I really am genuinely true, you've you've said yes and amen, we want to see Jesus elevated, we want people to know he's God good and God sent him we want to be under favor and blessing then okay then let's take responsibility personally for our role in this and let's firstly watch what we say in 1 John 1 verse 7 John said but if we walk in the light as we walk in the what light as he is in the light we have oh here it is fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. I went to university, studied science, majored in microbiology. So I'm paranoid about germs, basically. No, <laughs> no, I, I, I learned this when I studied microbiology. Most things that can harm you grow in the dark. In fact, sunlight is one of the world's greatest antiseptics. And so it is in our own lives. The things that will harm us grow in the dark. And if I want to actually have relationship with you and with him, we need to walk in the what? Light, bring things in the open. When I hide, when I keep things in the dark, my character flaws, my struggles, my problems, my doubts and my concerns. When I hide them, guess what? Those things grow and they can actually cause me great harm. But when I bring them into the light, when I get honest, when I speak the truth to you. We, we as Christians, we don't tell lies. We just have certain cliches that hide the truth. How are you? One of our favorite words in modern Christianity is awesome. My wife and I haven't talked for three weeks, but we're awesome. Can't pay the power bill, struggling with my health, could lose my job on Monday. We're awesome. Now listen, I am somebody that believes in the faith message. I'm a faith preacher. I believe in a positive confession. But if a positive confession is a facade behind which I'm hiding the truth, then it's actually causing me pain. I have friends who are, awesome, awesome. And then I find out their marriage falls over and their health is falling apart. Can we begin to go to next levels of honesty? I'm not talking about being a hypochondriac and wearing your heart on your sleeve. No, no, no. We we claim the promises, but you know what? Sometimes we need to claim the promises with some people that know what we're going through. If we're going to be in unity, I cannot have a relationship with a facade. Only real people. You know what I, I think that the world needs? Is authentic Christianity. Just being real, just being honest. When we when we're in the light, we know who each other is. You ever, ever been down a dark street? And say, who is that? I don't want to be in a church where we're all walking around the dark. Who is that? No, we're walking in the light. I see you. I see who you are. I know, we, and I'm, I'm, I've got your back. We're standing together. We're going to bear one another's burdens. Oh, I tell you, that's counterculture. That's kingdom culture. Yeah. We're studying in our home church. At the moment, the book of one John. And, and 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 John says, you know, if you just commit to being real and loving each other, the whole world gonna know you're followers of Jesus. They walk in and go, Oh, this is different, isn't it? Sound English, didn't it? It did be different, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> well, even the English are welcome to find Jesus.
0: Yeah.
1: It's different. It's like this is not like the office where it's dog eat dog and people are trying to climb each other's back to get to the top. No, no, no. This is, this is real. This is building one another up. This is helping each other. We're being honest. Now if we're going to do that, then we actually all need to commit not only to telling the truth, but actually holding the truth. If you're going to tell me the truth, you are actually looking to me to be somebody who's like a vault with ears. You can tell me, but I'm not going to share it with all my friends just so that we can be praying for you. Let's move on. There's somebody who was prayed for. Um, I'm going to watch what I'm going to be an encourager. It's amazing. Did you know words set atmospheres? Pastor Craig stood up on the stage there. He wouldn't have said, You're all looking awesome. And you all went, Well, yes, we are. It sets atmospheres. Proverbs sixteen twenty four. This is one of my favourite verses in scripture. You'll see why. Gracious words are a honeycomb. Mm. Anybody here with a sweet tooth? Yeah, I have an addiction. My name is Wayne, and I have a sweet tooth. Gracious words are a honeycomb sweet to the soul. Look at this. And healing to the bones. Now, there's a few things in there that I like. Firstly, I like the fact that Solomon calls honeycomb a health food. Come on. Come on. Crunchies and violet crumble bars. Rule, man. My, I got a wife who, who's got blenders and bullets and thermomixers. And she comes out and she goes, drink that. I said, why? It smells like a compost bin. <laughs> she said, it's got kale in it. It's a superfood. Like, what a stupid concept, superfood. <laughs> it's a superfood. Anyway, to all the nutritionists out there, feel the love. It's... <laughs> so I went to a recently and said, hey, you know what? You tell you what you can do with your kale. Hey, Proverbs 16, 24, I'm sticking to the honeycomb. It's a health food. It's a health food. But, but Solomon said, you know, pleasant words. Pleasant words will do your health good. You want to you live longer? Change the way you talk. You, you want each day to be richer and with more color? Change the way you speak. Build each other up. You, you ever notice that, that, that secure people are just encouraging? They don't have to put somebody down to make themselves feel built up. Encouraging. When I'm not threatened, I'll actually be part of your cheer squad. I can rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. Do you remember a guy in the, in the New Testament? His name is Barnabas. We, can I tell you something? If you've never known this, Barnabas isn't his real name. He's Joseph of Cyrene. It's like in Australia. Go with the red hair. For some reason, we call him Bluey. I don't quite get that, but it's just what we do. And, 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 and everybody knows him by Bluey. And in Scripture, everybody knows this guy is Barnabas. It's not his real name. Barnabas means Mr. Encouragement. How cool would that be? That's how, that, right through Scripture, we talk about Mr. Encouragement. Now, now most of us... Don't know much about Barnabas. But we do know a a lot about a guy who once was Saul. And can I be really blunt? Saul, who, if we used modern language, was a terrorist who became the great Apostle Paul, who wrote a large section of the New Testament. And all across this land, all across the globe today, the Apostle Paul is quoted and his doctrine and theology is espoused. And how grateful we are for such a great Apostle Paul. But you know what? We may never have had an Apostle Paul if we hadn't have had a guy called Mr. Encouragement. The church was afraid of him. They rejected him. But this guy, Barnabas, you need to meet this guy. It's amazing. He's had a face to face meeting with Jesus. He, something's happened in his life. And, and slowly but surely, Barnabas pulled down the walls so that ba- Paul's future could become a reality. Mr. Encouragement. It's amazing what happens when we choose to encourage them. Sports commentators call it, in, 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 in common language, home ground advantage. You, you, when, when you come into certain environments, you just can't lose. Again, I repeat, I am from Queensland. You, I, 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 I've, been, I've been to some of those Origin Games, and you walk in, and I've said to my boys who are with me, we, we're not going to lose tonight. Just feel this. Seriously. You can't, you can't lose in those environments. Okay, we're not going to talk about game one. That, just, that was an accident. <laughs> Let's talk about game three. I, 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 um, there's so many times I've been there, it's, like, it, it's, just, it's hard to lose. Now, a lot of times, when, when some of our teams play away, we go, well, I'm not sure how they'll go because of the atmosphere and the opposition in the air. But when you come in, everybody's encouraging you. You lift let's continue to create a church where, where every time people walk in the door, every time they're in, a, in one of our small groups, they're in a home ground advantage. They might have been actually under the influence of the enemy and put down and criticized, but they walk in here and people begin to pump up their tires. Tell them we believe in you. We're praying for you. We're cheering you And people begin to leave just a little bit taller. Hey I've got a question for you. Whose tires have you pumped up already today? You know... Even I, I look at this wonderful team here. Sometimes we take for granted some of the things that we have in great churches. The people that got here really early to tune their instruments, prepare their hearts, and share. Those people out there that are looking after your children. You, you know, do, do, you, do you high five the team? Say thank you. Or I'm the one. Mine's the one in the corner with the stuff all over their face. I said thank you. Thank thank you. You're great preachers and leaders in this place. A quick email, a text, a high five—it's amazing. People lift in those atmospheres, setting atmospheres. The second thing I've got to watch is not only my what I say, but where it comes from. It's out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So it's not just the fountain head; it's the well it comes from. My heart, how I respond. Have you ever noticed that it's really easy to get hard and calloused in church life? And here's why there's people there. I oh, you know, church, oh, I don't go to church full of hypocrites, sinners, and stuff. Oh, okay, it's so much better in general society, is it? Come on. We're just humans, and we're flawed, and we're broken. Okay, none of us are are holy, none of us are completely perfect yet. We're all on a journey and we do some stuff and we say some stuff. The greatest way to get hurt in church life is just stay long enough. Someone's going to forget you, someone's going to ignore you, Somebody's going to say something that you misunderstand, it's life. Can we just take that as a given? and say it's not just what happens to me but what, how I respond to what happens to me that will determine my future yes. and the key to not being anchored in a spot and bent and twisted out of shape here it is let me tell you the greatest thing for your heart is not a low cholesterol diet alone though that is good here's the key forgiveness Learn to forgive. Listen to Paul's counsel. Ephesians 4, 32. This, this These first two words are something the Holy Spirit so speaking to me about at the moment. Be kind. Say to your neighbor, be kind. What, what, how different would work be tomorrow if we all got up and said, you know, my number one commitment today is I'm just going to be kind. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Can I take you back 2,000 years where the Son of God is hanging on a cross? Not only just dying for me, but dying as me. Took upon himself the sins of the world. And he's put up there by... People with nails in his hands and his feet, his back ripped open, crown of thorns on his head. And some of the most heroic words humanity's ever heard come from his lips. Are you ready for them? Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. I was studying that a few years ago leading into Easter and it dawned on me as I heard the words of Jesus, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. I realized some of the people that put Jesus on the cross actually thought they were doing the right thing. Now, they were completely wrong. And we, with the hindsight of history and 2,000 years later and all the scriptures and all the revelation, we, we, we stand here so in such judgment of the Pharisees and the scribes and the priests. Oh, how dare they? But I wonder where we really would have been standing if we were them trying to defend what had been a religious system for centuries. And now in comes this one who says he's the son of God and he's going to completely change an old covenant and everything. How dare he? And they put him on a cross and Jesus said, Father, forgive them. You know what? It actually helps me understand people. Some people aren't bad. They're just ignorant. They actually don't know. They didn't mean to. A lot of people that hurt you actually didn't mean to. We don't even know what's going on in their world in their moment when they say some things or do some things. So we've got to learn to let it go and lift it to Him. Because if we don't, it actually has repercussions that, that we don't like. We're, again, back to the Sermon on the Mount and that prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. There's, there's one line in there that it, 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 it so challenges me. Here it is. Father... Forgive me as I forgive them. Forgive us our debts. If you have a King James Bible, it says, forgive us our trespasses. One little boy in Sunday school said, forgive us our trash baskets. (laughs) I think he got it right. Forgive us the junk in our life as we forgive the junk that they dumped on us. Forgive me as I forgive. Jesus actually said, you know what, if you don't forgive from your heart, your father won't forgive you, which really challenges me. He actually expounded on that with a powerful parable in Matthew 18 where he tells a story of one servant that wouldn't forgive and because of that, two ended up in jail. I realize this incredible responsibility. If I want to live under forgiveness, I have to live out forgiveness. And if I don't forgive then it's going to affect me. Now, here's the deal. We, we, all, we all experience conflict. Can I tell you something about conflict? Conflict is just like giving birth sometimes. It's a struggle, but sometimes we don't even know it, but, but it, it sometimes prophetically says there's other things coming. Journey it through with people. We all face criticism. And sometimes the critics have got agendas and bad attitudes. I understand that. But sometimes it's actually good. The reason if we really commit to unity, we can actually go to somebody and they criticize, say, Craig, am I really like that? Now, if he's courageous, he'll say, well, I've been wanting for months to just raise the issue with you. But if we can be secure, we can actually move forward. Some, which, uh, and if it's wrong, he goes, "I ah, ignore it. Conflict and criticism you can actually deal with. Fairly quickly. You know the one that's really tough? Betrayal. And the only people that can betray you are the ones that get really close to you. And there are people in this room, the minute I say it, you you can actually stand up and tell us about the painful experience you've been through. I heard a preacher once say in our church recently, he said, you know, I heard once that people told me, don't worry about it, time heals. The fact of the matter is time doesn't heal, it just actually helps us put up calluses behind time doesn't heal, but Jesus does. Jesus does. And so the challenge is for us to forgive. If we don't forgive, you know. You ever had a little splinter? Like a little tiny one? Tiny piece of timber in your finger? It's amazing. That tiny thing causes a lot of poison, isn't it? Where you used to have a finger, you end up with a football. You know, and it's got its own heart, you know, boom, 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 boom. It, and, and, and the only way, you can, you can take antibiotics and you can put all things on it, but if you don't take out what's caused it, it'll cause poison. And when poison gets in our soul, I become an angry man, become a bitter person. We have to learn to let it go. I build up walls when I don't forgive. The musicians are going to join me, I know my time is up. Let me just touch on this. When we get hurt, it's a very easy default response to build walls. And the walls that we sometimes put up to protect us end up not only protecting us, but jailing us. Because if I say, I'm not going to get hurt in that area, that's one wall, and then another wall, I'm not going to that area as well, and that area, before you know it, the walls that are meant to protect end up encaging me. Solomon said in Proverbs 18, And verse 1, an isolated person is unwise. He tells us where it all starts. Brother offended. It's harder to win than a walled city. Isolation usually starts with offense. I need to learn to let it go. And if we can come full circle to where we started, if I don't forgive, I can't be in unity. If I'm not in unity, I'm going to miss out on blessing and anointing, favor, and the breakthrough power of God. And I can't do life without it. So I've actually sometimes got to deal with things this way so I can experience heaven's involvement this way. A wise man once said, we become a powerful force when we realize the value of each of us, but the wonder of all of us. All of us. All of us. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask the team just to lead us in worship and then I'm going to pray for you. Come on, lead us in that song, please. Would you stand? Put your books and Bibles down. I'm going to hand back to your pastors in a moment. But we're going to pray. And just for a moment, if we can, we're just going to worship him. Don't look sideways, just look upwards. Open your hearts. Because maybe he needs to do a little bit of work here so he can pour out the very thing that you're looking for in your life. In Jesus' name, come on, let's worship him. In this moment. In a moment, I want to pray just to join with you for a, break, a breakthrough anointing to be on this church. We want to be under that place where He pours out a freshness, a favor, that dew of heaven. But you know something you and I need to create atmospheres, create the environment where God can do His greatest work. And I wonder if, if just across this room we just take a moment in prayer. We'd block out every distraction. You know, we can talk a lot about encouragement and we can talk a lot about the things we say to each other. But it starts in the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart. The heart. The heart of the issue is the heart in the issue. And I wonder across this room how many of us need to, again, if we can touch on this issue of being honest, need to say, you know what i got a bit of a splinter in my soul. Maybe you've come from another church and you're here, but you've still got a little bit of an attitude towards leadership. You got hurt. I'm not here to say who was right or wrong, but you can be stuck in that situation, not move forward for a long time, unless we let go. Some of us, whether it was in a work situation, a family, a marriage, relationships, Even talking like this, it's actually brought us to an awareness of, actually, I need to just give this over to the Lord. Let Him take it out and then let the healing happen. And all I want you to do, this is all I want you to do. I've got to be speaking to you about letting some stuff go. You should place your hand upon your heart. No one's looking around. This is a really personal thing. Don't you whisper to him what it is? Don't you say to him, Father, I let this go. That employer, that church, that spouse, that child, my parents, that friend who let me down, that person who betrayed me. I pray for you that you would discover the releasing, healing work of your God. As you genuinely, now with the hand that's been upon your heart, I want you to lift it to the heaven, right? Just lift it up. Say, God, I'm giving you this. I'm giving you this. There's dozens and dozens and dozens. God, I'm giving you this. I'm letting it go. You can't take it back. You can't reinsert it. I'm, I'm giving it over to you today. I'm giving it over to you. And as I give it to you, I pray for the healing to flow. I declare a new day. I declare freedom and life. I declare the richness of your goodness flowing into our soul. I pray where there's been pain, I pray for peace and joy and life and fresh faith and expectation of good days ahead as the healing work of God floods our soul. I pray that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. I pray for you to discover again the joy of your salvation pray you'd find the capacity to love in a fresh way, not only your God, but your brothers and sisters. No facades, cynicism, and the callous that's been upon your heart, just lifting off the poison gone, life flowing in, in Jesus' name.
0: this podcast from life if you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message visit lifeau.org